Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back once again to the Business and Brew Show. I am super excited about this episode and this month because we've had so many vetpreneurs or veteran entrepreneurs and business owners on the show. If you didn't catch the first two episodes um, for this month, you need to go back and watch Nick of FSG and Brett of Vet Gigs. Uh, super awesome guys, really helping the veteran community. And tonight, I have Mr. Cruz with me. Really quick, Emil, tell us who you are and what you do. Hey, guys, Jamil Cruz here. You know, we leaders make leaders. Uh, I'm in the financial services space, so I deal with everything that has to do with insurance, investments, mortgages. Um, but I have a deep passion for leadership and teaching people, you know, how to, like, start leading their lives, leading themselves, their careers, their businesses, et cetera. Um, so we created a brand, you know, called Leaders Make Leaders that encompasses the financial services aspects of what I do and how people can take advantage of that and also how they can start leading their lives so that when you put it all together in the puzzle, it just makes sense at the end of the day. day. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome, man. Uh, so I do think uh, you're like my first guest, at least in a long time, who's worn a tie and you got a tie clip on there. So. <laughs> It's my uniform every day, man. <laughs> I think I might be a little underdressed. <laughs> so, my, so you every, mean, day, every day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm always interested. Uh, you know, you, you said you were in the Marine Corps. So I'm, I'm actually doing something different with the veterans. I am going to take you back a little bit. Um, I want to know kind of uh, what, what that looked like, um, maybe what you did in the Marines and then the transition out, uh, and then tell us, you know, from there, how you got into the financial industry. Awesome. Yeah, man. So, you know, everything actually started for me back in the 07, you know, just came out of high school. I was a young punk kid. Um, you know, I ended up having a kid uh, at the age of 18, so I was really young. And, you know, I went to college and I realized, you know, college and me didn't agree. You know, I don't know what was it about college, but I used to spend a lot of time with my physics professor uh, doing everything but studying, you know, for physics. So, um, you know, I was working at GameStop at the time. I still remember I started working for GameStop when I was 16, became a manager, you know, when I was 18. And so money wasn't there. Um, and I still remember it vividly, you know, it wasn't a Tuesday on a Tuesday around noon. I get called from the company um, that they needed to have a private talk with me. So one of my employees was stealing from the store under my nose. And so they basically said, you're responsible, you know, you're, you're, the, you're the manager. So either you pay up, you know, and you can still work here or we just, you know, we have to let you go. Uh, so they politely told me, you know, to let go because I wasn't going to pay everything that this guy has stolen from the business. Um, so went back to college. I figured that was going to be, you know, my way out in Puerto Rico where I'm from. That's kind of like it, right? You become a college student, you, you know, get a degree and then get a good job. Um, and just, I just couldn't, you know, I couldn't fit in college. So funny story, I actually went to uh, this shopping center where they have military uh, recruiting offices and I was going for the army. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, you're saying that you're in the army, uh, walked into the army office, you know, sat down with the guy. And then the first thing that he offered me was money. And although I was looking for money, it just didn't sit right with me. You know, that he's like, oh, there's this bonus and that bonus. If you sign up, you know, you're young, just sign here. We'll ship you out in like three weeks. You know, you got to pass your, you know, your ass back. And I, and I, I don't know, I said, I said no in my mind, but at the time I just needed money. So I said, you know, screw it, you know, let's go. Right. 
Um, I'm the I'm a first generation military in my household, so nobody else in my family went to the military. And then coming out of the army office, uh, there was a Marine guy, uh, Delgado, still remember his name. They had a pull-up bar right outside of the office. And then he's like, oh, so you joined the CC group, <laughs> you know? Um, you know, if you know Marines, you know how they are. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, I bet you that you kind of do a single pull-up here. And if you do, I'll bring you into the Marines if you want to be a real man. That was the conversation we had. Um, and to my not surprise, I couldn't do a pull-up, man. It was the first time I had jumped in a pull-up bar. So, you know, I was, it was a ego hit, like ego hit me. I hadn't taken the ASVAB, so I had no ties to the army. And then I spent three months just kind of working on the physical side of, you know, getting strong enough um, to do a pull-up. I ended up doing five, started with the Marines. Um, and then that's it. You know, that's how I ended in the, in the Marine Corps. So did 12 years there as a communicator. Um, I did a little bit of intelligence and then mostly my career was all kinds of communication. So radios, radios, you know, if it's a radio and he, and he could talk, I can make it talk. Um, and I enjoyed it. You know, I enjoyed it. It was very technical, but also very like high, I call it high speed, low drag kind of, you know, MOS in the military. We went everywhere. I got to deploy way too many times in my opinion. Um, and that's what led me to where I am today. You know, in 2014, a friend of my wife approaches me and he says, Hey, um, you don't know me, you know, I know your wife from high school. And the first thing that I thought is I'm going to have to fight this guy now because he's talking to my wife, um, show up to the office. said, look, you know, I talked to your wife about it, about an opportunity. She said, no, but I'm pretty stubborn. So I wanted to ask you first, you know, before I gave up. So he went around my wife, reached out to me and then that's it. I showed up to the office to fight the guy, to be honest, I had no other intention but to just go there and beat this guy up. I showed up with a green skivvy shirt. If you know what those are, you know, military skivvy shirt, um, some some uh, tan short cargo shorts and flip-flops and not even good flip-flops. I had those. I don't know if you've ever bought those plastic flip-flops. You know, the ones from like the 99 cent store. That's, that's the ones that I had on. And my goal was to just go in there and beat this guy up. Um, and then he wasn't at the office, which made me really angry. But I was already there and they said, oh, yeah, the appointment's with me. So some other guy had me come to his office. Um, I remember sitting down next to another lady. And then she was like, uh, no, this is not for me. I was I spaced out the entire presentation, the entire, you know, when they were showing me what it needed, what I needed to get started. Completely spaced out until they showed me the money that I could make. And so, again, at that time, needed money. I had a family, young family. So I said, OK, if half of what this guy is telling me is true, maybe, you know, I could do something like this and make more money. And I decided to pursue it. Not too serious. I started part time. And then in 2017, I decided to leave the military and then just jump in full time doing the business because I was just only doing it part time. And that's how I got to, you know, where we are today. Wow. That's awesome, man. Uh, do you ever do you ever see that guy? Who? The, the, the Marine guy? The guy you were going to beat up. <laughs> oh, no. Funny story, man. He's actually one of my best friends right now. <laughs> uh, you know, to the point that the guy has a key to my house and everything. You know, we're uh, <laughs> super close. It's like the funniest story ever. So sometimes I tell people and they're like, really? I'm like, yeah, we became like great friends. Um, he, he did change my life. You know, I know it's, uh, you probably hear that from people that get in business and it's cliche that one person changed your life. Um, but I had been on seven deployments when he reached out to me, six deployments when he reached out to me and my wife and I were like at a breaking point where like, yeah. you know, it's like, 
that's it. You know, well, I think we, we can't be together because I was never home. Um, so when he offered this opportunity, I saw a way out out of that, out of that cycle of deploying, you know. Um, and then the money, the money is great. You know, I can't complain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. I know Marines take, they, they go on deployments for like six months. So you can squeeze a lot of deployments into a very short amount of time. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I'm definitely, you know, we, we have like your origin story, if you will. Yeah. Um, so when you decided to leave the military and kind of go full time, uh, you know, what what really where did you see it going like did did you see a future in it did you have goals or was it like just this is my safety net and my way out um it started as that it started as a safety net so it, you know to kind of make the long story short in 2014 when i came in that's all i was looking for i was looking for a safety net some extra cash you know money coming in um, I remember I deployed a year after I got into the business. I got to deploy again. And so I wasn't physically here, but my wife had gotten a license, you know, at that time, because we do, you do require some professional licenses. Um, and then she got licensed. And while I was deployed, we got paid like seven or $8,000 without us being in the business at all. You know, it was 100% residual. Um, and that was really appealing to me. You know, it was like, okay, let's do it. Um, now, the the drop that made everything, you know, flip for me was in 2018 or sorry, 2015 to 16. So it was kind of like at the end, beginning of 2016, I was promised to go to a new unit and not deploy. You know, you know how they get you in the military, right? They say, you know, re-enlist, you know, we'll send you whatever you want. And I said, I want to go to a non-deployable unit. I, I've done all deployments that I could do. And they sent me to a unit and within three months of me landing there, they said, oh, you have all of your pre-required training done already. And we need somebody to be in charge of a comp section in Kuwait. And there I go, you know, again on, a, on another deployment. Um, and so I, I was really, I was disappointed and I was really upset. I had, a, I had a blast at the deployment, you know, it was a great one. But I was really disappointed because I, I had moved to this unit with the idea of slowing down in my career, focusing more on, on my skill set, maybe going into recruiting, things like that. And they didn't have that opportunity. And so I made, at that moment, I quit. You know, I still remember it was in, in 2016, the beginning of 2016, I quit mentally in the business. I came back from, a from that deployment in May. And in August of that same year, I actually won a trip from the business. They do kind of like competitions within the company. And then they take whoever is in the, among the top people, the top 1,800 couples, they get to go on a trip. And I won that trip. I actually won that jersey. That's why it says 16. You know, it's right there. I just saw that. And when I went there, it just felt so different, so freeing. Money was good. So I said, I think I could do something like this. I didn't see it as a business yet. I saw it more of a, I could make good money doing it on my own. But, you know, through mentors, you know, I, I ended up connecting in a deeper way with the guy that actually brought me in the business. We became good friends. He started selling me onto his vision. Then I became really good friends with the person that actually was training him for many years before I came in. And so this guy, you know, he makes over half a million dollars a year, pure residual income. So I said, I want that kind of life, you know, and he started mentoring me personally. And he said, look, you could do this, this, this. It just requires work for you to make it happen. Um, and I said, okay, I'm no stranger to hard work. Let me just put in the work. And that's it. 
transition out in 2017, you know, August 17 of 2017, I still remember the exact date. Picked up my papers and I never looked back. And so I've been doing this since. Wow. That's yeah. awesome, man. That, I mean, just to kind of get a taste and have that opportunity. And then, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really happy for you because being able to see that kind of, uh, you know, that, that transition out of the military that I don't think that's something that a lot of veterans get. So, you know, you kind of, you kind of had that stepping stone in place. So after you got into it, you know, um, I, I think all of us kind of face new challenges when we leave the military. Um, so there's definitely a learning curve, uh, probably in almost any industry that we might get into. Yep. Uh, what, what are some of the things that you had to learn where, you know, maybe you didn't quite get the connection between what you learn in the military or, or, uh, just, it was a new experience. What are some of the things that you had to kind of increase your skill set on? Dealing with people. Um, you know, I, I'm a very, it's a high touch kind of business where we're dealing with people's money. So, you know, you gotta be empathetic and understand their situation and all of that. And we're, we're bred in the military mindset. It was like, okay, you know, I, I don't, I don't care how much about your feelings. This is what we need to do to make your goals happen. So I had to learn to deal with that, um, become more of a people's person for lack of a better term um that and and really start connecting with the community you know like i said I'm, i was born and raised in puerto rico so when i left the military my network was the military everybody that i know in california where i'm at you know it, it was in the military so leaving that group behind was really hard for me and then not having anybody to share my business with was really hard because all i knew was the military um, now, thank God we're in a different time where veterans are more united. I mean, heck, we're here, right? You know, you and me, we're both veterans and we're connecting. Um, but when I got out, that wasn't really the case. There wasn't a lot of veterans teaching the concept that I, that I was just learning. That was the biggest kill right there. Now, a good book that I helped me a lot with that. I actually have it here, I think. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah, you probably have seen this. You know, how do we how do we influence and influence people by Doug Carnegie? Um picked up that book you know I, I started reading that book at the end of 2017 and that helped me do a switch in my mind to start connecting with people better but that was one of the skills that I needed to improve upon that's fantastic man I'm glad you brought up that book because that is a, a real solid book um so you know with that you 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 know, overcome the, those challenges of, you know, having to learn new things. Uh, and you, you've actually, at this point, been in business for quite a while now. Um, so I'm curious, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to say the C word, but when COVID hit, uh, you know, what, what are some of the challenges that brought with it in your business? And what did you guys do to kind of pivot and overcome those challenges? Yeah, so like I said, like I was mentioning, you know, before I got dropped, um, our business was prepared to do almost everything that we do virtually. Um, we don't have any any physical products. It's it's all basically a person to person kind of business. So we had the infrastructure in place for us to build that. And what we did is we pivoted into Zoom. We know we maximized Zoom. We started connecting with Zoom. Took advantage of social media. Um, started being more present in social media because we had a lot of our business happen physically. 
Um, so it was a quick transition, you know, moving from doing it in person to doing it online because the, the structure, the bones of the operation were already meant to be done mostly online. We just were not implementing it. Um, so yeah, that was the biggest thing. You know, we started taking advantage of social media in a huge way, marketing different, you know, posting more, contacting people through social media rather than in person. And it was a blessing for us. I, you know, I know for a lot of people, maybe it was a challenge. That was not the case for my business. Um, COVID was probably, um, if not the most, one of the most significant moments for our career in business, because being online allowed us to work not just out of California. Now I can work with people anywhere in the United States, you know, so it doesn't matter where you are. As long as you have an internet connection and a computer, you can do business with families out there. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. So it, it was kind of a blessing in disguise to be able to just force you guys into a position to take advantage of the tools you had at your disposal. Absolutely. That's, that's awesome, man. So, uh, I'm, I am a little curious, uh, cause, uh, obviously, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to talk to the business owner entrepreneur, but I'm, I'm sure you have a team. So, uh, what, what does your team look like and, and you know, what, what kind of dis different roles do they play in your business? So the way that we work uh, in our structure, our business, it's compiled of agents. So kind of independent contractors. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with real estate, how real estate works. There's a broker and then there's agents that work in there. So that's kind of the same structure that our business has, you know, in the financial services world. Um, so we have, you know, we have a few people, you know, over, over 30 people right now that work with us, um, dedicated, and we have over 200 people that connect, you know, with us across the United States, but the people that I work individually with, you know, have a few veterans in there, have seven veterans that work with me, you know, that transition out of the service, uh, and do this. And the roles are simply to build a business. Um, we work more, we were more focused on the franchising model of our company where you can come in and get to own an agency, you know, and things like that. And so the program that I have in place through leaders make leaders, what it does is it helps on building the individual, like helping the person develop. And then once they're developed as an individual, they get all the skills as needed to also start building a business of their own. If they choose to some people they just want to be agents, you know? It's like your best friend realtor that you probably have that has been a realtor for the last 30 years and he has never had an office or he does his sell houses. We got people like that too. Um, but the vast majority of the people that work with me, they come in so that within 18 months of them joining the business, office. That's really cool, man. Uh, just giving people opportunities. So with, you know, I'm, I'm curious with the veterans and, and maybe with the other people as well, uh, you know, you're bringing in people who might be new to the industry or maybe they have experience, but you're more experienced than them. So, you know, you have to coach them up and you have to help them fill those gaps where maybe they're, they're not too skilled or not familiar with uh, how your processes and stuff work. So how do you take someone that's brand new like that and bring them in on, onto a, a certain level of success? Yeah, so we actually have a program in our in our business called the Success Cycle. You know, if you got you even got like one a cool card right there. Uh, so it's an eight step um, 
it's an eight-step cycle that people follow when they come in, you know, and it talks about things like, you know, first of all, define what you want, you know, why do you want to be in business in the first place? Uh, that's really important, right? A lot of times you go in business and, and you don't know why you just get in business because it sounds cool, right? So we, we spend time getting into the deeps with people of, okay, why do you want to be in business? You know, what exactly are you trying to accomplish? You know, we teach them how to do follow-up. The first 30 to 90 days in our business are meant for you to get your license because you need to have a license with the state and the federal government. Once you get your licenses done, then at the same time, we're doing one-on-one training where we are actually, you're kind of shadow shadowing somebody, you know, within the office that has more experience and you shadow that individual uh, and then from there, you know, then you become an independent uh, trainer, for lack of better words. And we do that now. We do consistent training twice a week on Thursday nights. We have a self-development program. Um, and then on Saturdays, we have another, it's, we call it sharpening the saw, where you come in and you're doing technical training. Like, how do you present? You know, what are the terminologies that are in the industry? Um, like, what exactly are the different types of insurances? How does an investment work? What is an investment? So we do a lot of training uh, every single Saturday at, you know, 8 a.m. Pacific. You're going to find us on a Zoom meeting. You know, we get about 200 people connecting um, and they're just doing training. That's all they do. It's training. And then on Thursday nights, uh, 6 p.m. Pacific also, you know, um, we, do, we have a group of people that we're paying a, a gentleman from Florida, actually, you know, close to you. Um, we're paying this, this gentleman super successful. You know, the guy has made multiple millions of dollars in different companies. And now he focuses on self-development for people in business. So the kind of conversations you need to be having with people, things like that. So we invest thousands of dollars every month just to get our people, you know, up to speed. Um, because we believe that we don't build companies or businesses. We build people and people build a business. And that's one of our biggest principles here. If I can help you become, you know, Ryan 2.0, then it doesn't matter what business you're running. Could be with me or could be your business or whatever business you're doing. Your business will be better because you're better as an individual. Yeah, and I I agree with that. And I'm really glad you said that because it made me think of how I bring people in. And one of the things I tell them is uh, I don't care if you stay here for the long term and decide to grow with our company and retire, or if you if this is just a stepping stone in your life uh, in order to accomplish a, a higher goal, I want to make sure that I help you no matter which path you're on, uh, because uh, I actually heard somebody say this, uh, I think. I think it was either Nick or Brett brought it up where it was like, if you uh, work for me um, and you decide uh, to stay, um, it's in my best interest to train you and develop you to a, a high level of success. And if you decide to leave, um, then that that next company that you go to, uh, you know, when I produce a quality individual with an increased skill set, they're going to be like, Oh, wow. Where did you come from? And that's creating a good, a good name for my company, as well as, you know, making sure that you go on and, and are as successful as you can be as an individual. So that's kind of what, what you made me think of when you, you described that. Uh, so I, I guess my next question is, um, 
and and this might be more along the lines of the the leaders make leaders but but definitely with everything you're doing uh when you when you have individuals who are not i wouldn't necessarily say not top performers but everybody runs into certain challenges and stuff so um maybe they're doing something they're not supposed to or uh maybe they're just not really kind of meeting the bar just yet whether it's kind of a misconduct thing or whatever uh my my first question is what what's what are some pointers you would give to someone that needs to hold a critical conversation with somebody and how do you train your people to learn how to hold those critical conversations with other people yeah leadership is everything you know john maxwell says that everything rises and falls on leadership and so you have to be able to see you have to develop a standard for your business right as a business owner and and this is more towards the person that is the business owner or the manager you got to have a standard and one of the things that i'm big on is you cannot lower yourself to people's standards you gotta make sure that they race to your standards right so when somebody's not meeting those standards, the easiest way of you having that conversation is you pull that person in private and you confront them. You know, uh, I'm huge on praising public and you correct in private, right? And one of the things that you have to do, this is so critical for leaders, is you never correct the person, you correct the behavior. See, when you're coaching somebody, you have to be coaching the behavior that is incorrect not the individual, because then, you know, I've seen it where you have managers that they are very personal about the corrections that they're doing. And they're talking about, you're doing this, you're doing that, it's you, you're the problem, you have to fix it, you know, yada, 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 right? It probably happened to you, you know, it certainly happened to me when I was in the service, where I was the problem. And you get it in your mind, like, man, I'm the problem. And so what you're doing is if you're trying to build a company and you have people that completely lose their self-respect, that completely lose their self-motivation, um, they start resenting you. And even if they stay, they will never give you their 100%. But if you make it your business to pull them aside and coach from a position of love, I know, again, it sounds cliche, but you come from a position of love and you say, look, you know, um, you're a great individual, you know, when you came in, you know, this is the quality is why I, you know, why I'm loving working with you, you know, I love what you do for the company, the kind of things that you're doing for the team, you know, I love that, but this type of, you know, behaviors that you're doing right now, you know, you don't say they're wrong, because nobody wants to be told that what they're doing is wrong, what you do is you coach the improvement, so you said what you're doing right now might be working, it might not be working, but if you do this instead, you're going to get a different result, not just for you, but also, you know, for the team. And when you come to people in that in that fashion, um, then they kind of feel it more. And they say, you know what? This person didn't humiliate me or disrespect me. He was as honest, had a heart to heart with me. I want to come through for this individual. Um, you know, I, I, I couldn't tell you, man, how many times I have disagreements with some of my mentors of things that they're doing me but i know that they're the reason why they're mentoring me you know when you're a leader or a business owner or a manager you're kind of like a mentor to the employees or the people that work with you so you gotta take that position with a lot of responsibility and a lot of respect and when you talk to your people you gotta remember that at one point you were that person yeah. you know 
Yeah, well, at one point you were that individual. Now, how do you train people to become great at that? Um, you make it part of your culture. You know, you you had you have to make it part of your culture. See, if your culture is putting people down, um, you know, disrespecting people, then your managers and your leaders, it, that's what they're going to do because it's part of the culture. It's okay for them to do that. But if from the very beginning, your culture is, this is a culture of self-respect, you know, of improving the individual, you know, of coaching bad behaviors and making them better, then by the time somebody becomes a manager or a leader in your organization, they will already have the skill set required to deal and handle those situations. And sometimes there's going to be people that don't get it, Ryan. You know, I don't know if it's happened to you in your business, but there's people that you tell them, you know, it's left and they want to go right and they just want to go right. And that creates a toxic environment. And so you got to be really protective of that. Your, your, your environment in your business has to be at a max level. I don't know if you follow um, Andy Frisella, you know, but Andy Frisella is one of those greatest examples of having something where the standard is really high, the environment is key. And if, if he tells people straight up, look, you know, if you can't get your, your shit together, then you can go. I don't need you here because that's going to damage the environment. And at the end of the day, your business needs to be made for the betterment of everyone, not of one individual. Um, so that's that's what I would tell people out there, you know, to kind of go with that mindset and read, um, you know, and we might talk about this later. I'm not sure if we do. But one thing that I tell everybody about reading, I don't know if you like reading or not, Ryan, but when it comes to reading, I'm going to give you guys a tip that I promise you, if you start thinking about reading this way, you're going to start enjoying reading. Um I grew up with with cartoons, right? I don't know if you remember Dragon Ball, for example. You know, I remember Goku, you know, he, he like would transform. That was one of the biggest things that I used to watch as a kid. Well, when I started reading, I started thinking like, like Goku, right? You know, I know it's a terrible example probably for some of you, but if you think about it, this guy's train, 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 and then they will look for cheats in the system. So, you know, they will go into like, other dimensions and get into machines that will make the time shorter. And so there, there's this uh, episode I remember where they go into this little uh, thing and basically a minute in, in the real world was like a hundred or like a year inside of that thing, right? So I'm like, oh man, that's like reading. Why? Because when you grab a book, the person that wrote this book, usually, you know, book readers have an average age between 35 and 65 years old is the average uh, age of somebody that writes a book. Um, if you do a little bit of research, you'll find that out. So what happens? This person that wrote this book took 35 years to gather that experience and put it into words for you and me to read. So what are you doing? You're reading this book. And I don't know how fast of a reader you are, Ryan, but if you have a book that is 300 pages and you read 10 pages a day in one month, you finish the book. Do you know what you just did to your mind? You made your mind 35 years wiser if that person was 35 years old. If the person that wrote the book was 65 years old, you made your mind 65 years wiser in 30 days. You hacked the system. I can't I can't believe you just used that analogy. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> you hacked the system. Yeah. The the cheat code to to life is reading that's it <laughs> that's, yeah that's awesome man i i i do enjoy it uh i do prefer audiobooks over uh hard copy i have both 
Um, and now uh, it looks like I might be forced into uh, more hard copy, at least temporarily, because my Audible account is on the fritz. So ah. um, I, it might be the app or something. I don't, I don't know. But um, I, I, I current, currently, well, we'll, we'll get into what, what books we're currently reading uh, near, near the end. But um, every, everything you talked about, I mean, that, that is some solid advice. And I, I really like how you touched on, you know, focusing on what the problem is and not the person. Um, and then using that analogy, I, I feel from, you know, your military service is a great example because those of us who were in have had those good and bad leaders, you know, the ones that come to you and say, you suck because you can't pass PT tests because you're a terrible person. And then the ones that come to you and say, hey, look, you know, you did great at the push-ups, you did great at the sit-ups, this runtime right here, you know, we need to work on that a little bit. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, but overall, you know, maybe you passed the PT test, just just got to improve that one runtime there. So that that was a really good analogy, I think, and really put it into perspective. I mean, at least for me. So you talked about uh, praising in public and correcting in private. Um, and, and then you talked about how basically helping other people realize and, and kind of learn how to do those things by just uh, making it a part of your culture. So now I, I have, uh, you know, questions about your culture. Uh, how did you decide what you wanted it to look like? And then how do you communicate that culture effectively to the masses? Great question, you know. So because of the industry that I'm in, there's an expectation, right? When people come and deal, for example, if you've ever dealt, dealt with a financial advisor, I want you to imagine you go into a financial advisor's office and you show up and he's in a t-shirt, some shorts, and maybe like some flip-flops, right? And you look at this guy and this is the guy that you're about to trust with hundreds of thousands of dollars of your money. You're probably going to walk away from that office, right? And say, okay, I'm not doing business with this guy because this is not the financial advisor, you know, or what I think a financial advisor should look like. Um, so everything start, started for us from there, you know. I'm not going to lie and tell you that I came up with the culture um, completely. It was a combination of a lot of the people in my life, a lot of my mentors and leaders where they have constant conversations about what a great culture should look like, you know. And so for, for us, one of the first things that we talked about was your dress code, right? Um, you know, I mean, you mentioned that, you know, probably one of the few people you see with a, with a tie in here. But if you come to my office, everybody, you know, that comes here is at least on a suit. They might not wear a tie, but they wear a suit. Why? Because we're dealing with money. We're in the industry where it's a highly professional industry, you know. And I'm talking about from the 18-year-old that works in my office to the 48, 49-year-old that works with me. They know it's part of the standard. How do you implement the standard and the culture? Well, going back to the military analogy, I don't know if you ever had any officers, right? Lieutenants, et cetera, where they will say, go and do this, right? And they will just tell you to go do something. And I challenge a lot of times, you know, when I was in a higher position in the military, I did it more than when I was younger. Um, but one of the reasons why I think why a lot of my military network has remained is because even as a young Marine, I was, I was a very hard-headed and I would challenge my superiors 
when it came to doing things in a positive way. I wasn't disrespectful, right? But if somebody would tell me, hey, you know what? Go and program this radio, right? For example, in my in my job was programming radios. Program that radio. I would say, okay, teach me how to do it. And then, you know, they're like thinking that you're talking back to them and some of them will get mad. And I said, you want me to do something and I want to do it right. So teach me how to do it at least one time and then I'll go ahead and do it. And so a lot of times, you know, people would just be like, no, nah, you figured it out. Didn't you come out of the schoolhouse? You should know how to do this, right? They will get highly, you know, emotional about you challenging them. And I always took that, took that to heart. I'm like, why would you ask me to do something that you can't even do? Because what I got to find out as I grew up in the ranks in the military was that a lot of times people ask you to do things and they don't know how to do them because they came from another generation of military, you know, schoolhouse. Um, so for me, um, I, I had a good, good leader when I was in the Marines my last few years where this guy was very engaged with the young you know, with the young Marines and, and the people that were in the enlisted world. And he would say, look, this is how you program this piece of equipment. Highly technical, you know, maybe, maybe I, I'm not that kind of person. I'm more of like a high energy, you know, let's just, you know, who, who, rah, rah, let's just go, you know, make it happen kind of guy. But I, I always appreciated that this guy would take the time and say, this is how you do it. And then when I got to his position after he retired and I took over his, his job, I made it my business to make sure that I was getting better, going back to that self-development. I would spend hours, you know, hours every week reading how to program the new radio that just came out. Because if I was going to ask, you know, PFC Shimokotali to go ahead and program the radio, I wanted to be the one that said, look, let me teach you how to do this. And now every time that he went out there, I knew he knew how to do it. So, trans, you know, translating that into business, the same thing happened when he came to the dress code. How do you start changing people's culture about how to dress for work? Well, if you're the highest income earner in your team, right? Let's say you're, you're the business owner, right? You're the guy that makes the most money. And maybe your business is more casual, you know? Maybe your business doesn't require you to be on a suit, but you want to have some sort of standard of grooming or how people look, how, how people walk. You know, it, it's crazy. Even how people walk. What do you do? You start doing it first. See, if all of a sudden you want people to, let's say, have a clean shave, you know, I don't believe in, in the clean shave thing. You know, if I was, if I could grow a beard like you, I'll probably have a beard just like you. Um, but, you know, my beard is terrible. I only grow like, you know, a little bit here, a little bit of here. So I'm like, screw it. I'll just stay with this, right? But let's say that one day you decide, you know what? We're going to be a very high standard um, business. And part of my culture will be that all the guys are going to grow a beard. Well, you grow the beard first and then you tell guys, hey, you want to have a perfect beard like mine? You got to wear this product and you got to comment three times a day for it to grow this way, right? You know, if you want a culture where, um, and if you said, I guess an example about wiping the toilet seat. You know, if you have a business where there's a lot of men and all of a sudden you walk in there, right? And maybe you don't have a good, a good aim and, you know, you like pee all over the toilet, all right? If you see it and you don't clean it, like, First of all, you know, you need to go back to your home and your mom needs to teach you like some basics, right? But if you're the second person that comes after and you see that the that that the tassel, right, that like the toilet is dirty, it's it's full of piss, you don't want to be cleaning another man's piss. I get it. But what is what is the alternative? That you just leave it there and then when you when you do your business, it gets more pissy and more dirty and then you leave and then the next person will think the same way you thought about it and they will do it again and all of a sudden you're living in a pig farm you know full of stuff or you could say all right i hate doing this i really hate it 
but I'm going to clean it up. And then what you do is going back to that praise and correct you, since you don't, maybe you don't know who was the person that went in before you, you get everybody together and you do a group correction that will help the culture. So you will say, look, you know, I don't know who it was and I don't really care. But in this business, I had to go and clean your piss out of the toilet seat. And that's disgusting. And I don't want to ever do it again. So if I ever catch anyone doing it again, I'm going to put a camera on the bathroom just so I can, I don't know, you come up with something fun. Um, you make it lightweight, but you correct the behavior. Make sense? Um, so that's how you start doing that. You start by doing it first. You know, for us, for example, walking fast, talking fast. And when I mean walking and talking fast, you want to be able to articulate what you're saying, but you want to have high energy in this kind of business because we're, you know, we're dealing with high, high energy clients. So when you walk out of, the, of your car, how do you walk to the office? You know, are you dragging your feet when you walk into the office? You know, are you like that guy that has, you know, a, a low scowl looking to the ground? You know, like there's something missing on the floor. Are you that type of person or are you the kind of guy that it doesn't matter how you're doing? You know, because you know you're the business owner. You say, I want my people to see me this way. So you psych yourself up inside your car. And the moment you open the door of your car, you're smiling, you're high energy, you're moving fast. You're like, you know, you're passing people, you know, because they're walking too slow and you're passing them. And then people see that and they're like, whatever that guy is doing, I want because I want to be like him. I want to have his lifestyle. So I'm going to mimic what he's doing. That's how you create a type of culture, Ryan. That that's that was a fantastic explanation. I, I just everything you were saying there, I was just soaking it up. Um, and the you know the I feel like the bathroom analogy kind of you know it kind of presses on a pain point where that kind of puts it into perspective for everyone from the top down. Yeah, because. It doesn't matter who you are in the company, the owner or the janitor, everybody uses the toilet right. and everybody's going to think the same thing coming in behind the next person. And, you know, you kind of touched on it. You're not doing that at home. Why would you do it somewhere else? Correct. That's, that's fantastic. So <clears throat> you did talk a little bit about something I agree with 100% and that is I should not be asking you to do something that I don't know how to do. Uh, and I really take that to heart, uh, primarily because in my business, I created every single system and process because I'm in an industry that is extremely rare. Uh, and there's, there's just not that many of them. And it's a lot of behind the scenes work. I do it day to day in a warehouse. Um, and I tell everybody that that's on the team back when I first started, it was just me. So if the numbers were good, it was my fault. And if they were bad, it was my fault. Uh, and now we're at a point where everyone can be a part of the team. And so if the, the team's numbers are good, uh, then we can see where we can improve mm -hmm. or, or, or we're doing well as a team, where can, we can improve as a team, and then individuals can just start to take responsibility. So what I'm getting at is, you know, very rarely will I ever have someone come to me and say, Hey, I don't know how to do this or me tell them, Hey, go do this. And it's something that I don't know how to do, um, just by default. Cause I'm the one that had to do it before I had anyone there. But my question is because the flip side of that is I have worked with people and I have found it to be somewhat valuable 
or true, uh, where maybe the reason that you hire this person is to handle that task, uh, that certain thing that they're an expert in. And so yeah. maybe you don't know how to do it. So if, if you're looking at it like that, like maybe you're in the financial industry, you hire somebody to do all of your social media because you're good with money. They're good with social media. So right. Uh, do do you find value in both of those or are you still pretty invested in making, you know, if you were to hire that person who's an expert in that field, are you going to be heavily involved with them and hands on to try and learn it as well? Yeah, great, great question. Another book that I recommend is called The E-Myth, okay? Um, the E-Myth, just like that, you know, the book talks about working on your business versus working in your business, right? So there's two sides of this. When you want to bring somebody to work in your business because they're a subject matter expert, you know, you have an expectation of what you want out of them, right? That's called leverage. So you want to leverage as much as you want, as, as much as you can. If you have someone that's better than you on social media, you leverage it. But as a person that's going to be heavily investing, and when I mean heavily investing, I mean, you want a result out of whatever this person is going to do. You want to have a basic understanding of it regardless. You know, so for example, if I have, you know, right now we're working heavily on social media, somebody wants to manage my account and they say, I can do your posts, I can do your videos, I can edit them. You know, I'm like, okay, great. Maybe I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do the behind the scenes of that work, but I know how it's supposed to look as a final product. So I'm going to ask you, okay, show me. Like, show me the final product. I don't want to see the behind the scenes. I want to see the final product. And if your final product meets my expectation, then we become business partners. Otherwise, I just can't have you around because you're not delivering what I need. So you want to have a basic understanding of what you're looking for when you hire somebody that's going to be a subject matter expert. You know, in, in this world where media companies, have, you know, seem to be popping left and right. You know, everybody wants to, you know, like be famous. Everybody wants to be an Instagram superstar and everybody wants to sell you a coaching, you know, system, right? I see like a hundred different coaching systems online nowadays. Well, if I'm going to pay a person $10,000 to coach me, I want to know that what this person is going to show me is congruent. How do I know if it's congruent? By at least having a basic understanding of what this person is talking about. See, if you hire me and I'm talking about leadership, right? You're going to look at me and my life and my business and my situation, and you're going to look for signs that I am leading my life in the right direction. If I'm not, why would you hire me? See, why would I go talk to you about leadership if my household is not in order, if I'm getting divorced, if my kids are not being taken care of, you know, if I can't pay my bills? Why would you hire me to teach you leadership if I can't even lead myself? So you always got to make sure that you are having those telltale signs of what success should look like if you're the person that's going to be hired and if you're the person doing the hiring have a basic understanding of what you need absolutely that's that's fantastic man uh i could i could probably sit here and talk to you about that stuff all night uh but we are going to jump into the four questions we've had brewing uh number one i think um 
I, I may already have an idea of what it looks like, but it sounds like, you know, you got your financial uh, business to work on. You've got leaders making leaders. Um, obviously, Zoom calls with uh, uh, veteran uh, <laughs> veterans in North Carolina. But uh, when you are not jumping through hoops to make all that happen, what do you like to do for fun? Um, well, I like to read. I like to read a lot, you know. Um I used to game a lot, man. I haven't I haven't done that in in quite a few months, actually. It's funny, you know. I we're working on, on a huge business project right now, so I haven't been as uh, as I guess intentional about that as I used to. You know, I used to kind of on Sundays jump in and do a little bit of online gaming, you know, with my community. Um, you know, Old Guard, shout out to them. You know, if they ever get to watch this, um, they will. They'll definitely watch the video if I post it on the Discord. Um, so, you know, I like hanging out with them. You know, I, I like kind of doing those things, uh, but definitely reading um, lately. That wasn't always the case, uh, but working out. It's something that I did a lot when I was in the service and then I got out and I gained a lot of weight. And so, you know, I you got to feel good to do good, in my opinion. So I wasn't really feeling good. I was feeling, you know, on the heavy side. So I am enjoying a lot of my hobby and my like downtime. You know, I wake up at five in the morning and I go on a walk. You know, I try to walk at least uh, at least 5K every day, a 5K every morning. You know, I'm doing it. I've been doing it for like the last two two months now. Um, and it's very refreshing because it's me by myself with my thoughts. So I get to not only work in my physical, but I get to spend some time alone. And that create that that engages my creativity on how to make the business better, too. So that's, you know, that's kind of what I do with my spare time right now. I do like bow hunting. So if you uh, if you guys got some deer and you want to invite me, I'll come over and shoot your deer. So it's all good. <laughs> okay. I like it, man. Yeah. Um, I would say when sometimes when I'm working out, um, you know, once in a while I'll listen to an audio book, but sometimes I'll listen to music that I like. And I have noticed uh, sometimes the blood flow along with the music gets my mind in a place where now th there, there has been so many times, even more recently, that I'm thinking about a problem that I'm having, um, you know, with making this process work or, you know, we, we have this idea and we have this goal that we want to reach with it, um, where it's going to like solve a problem for us, but I can't make those connect. And I just start, uh, thinking about it and it, it seems to come together. So when, when you, you mentioned about thinking on your walks and, and kind of having that time to yourself that, that made me think about, uh, how, you know, just getting up and exercising can definitely help with stuff like that. I mean, without getting too much into details, right? You know, we know you know that we release endorphins in our body when we're working out, right? So endorphin is a stress reliever. That's why you know when you have sex, for example, you release endorphins. You know, um, which is completely you know opposite from like um, dopamine. See, a lot of people are, are addicted to dopamine, which is what you get when you're doing those like me, you know, scrolls through social media. You're getting a, a hit of dopamine. It's highly addictive endorphins is a different kind of you know like a cell in your body that gets released and then all of a sudden that helps you relieve stress and it also clears the fog in your mind so you know that's why doing things like that man it always opens you up to like you know call it the third eye or you know or whatever you pray to you know but i believe it's like divine intervention like like god helps you clear 
you know, the fog out of your head because you're doing a little bit of physical, right? Um, so there's many things that you can get, you know, endorphins from, but working out is definitely one of them. It'll help you clear out your mind. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So uh, the the next question I have is um, what, I know you showed one of them earlier, but what book are you currently reading? So yeah, currently I'm, that, that book I, you know, I read uh, a while back and I, I retouch on it every now and then, How to Win Friends and Influence People. But right now I'm reading a book called The Mountain Is You. Um, let me find the author real quick for you. Uh, great book, you know, it's, it's by a lady. Um, Brianna, Brianna Weiss is, I think is her name. Um, great book, you know, and it talks about how you self-sabotage a lot, you know, like we self-sabotage a lot, our success, you know, our relationships, things in our lives. So that's one of the books that I'm reading. And at the same time, I'm reading Becoming Supernatural for the second time this year. Um, last month, I, the, in January, sorry, I read it with a group. And then I kind of got, you know, maybe like 80% of the book, but I felt like there were some things that I didn't quite get. So on February, we, we read a book called um, How, to, How to Break the Habit of Being Yourself. Both of the books are by Joe Dispenza, by the way. And so reading Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself kind of brought some things into perspective that got me to think about Becoming Supernatural. And I said, all right, let me go back and read Becoming Supernatural again. So I'm reading both of those books right now. Um, at the same time. So, you know, I'm tracked for 24 books this year, which is the goal and see if we can make it happen. Nice. That's awesome, man. Um, I, I think, uh, I think I just mentioned this one in a recent episode, but, uh, I am currently reading, uh, how successful people think by John Maxwell. Great book. And, um, one of my favorites is, leadership tactics and strategies by Jocko Willing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So those are, those are the, the two that I have. Uh, so the, the next question gets a little bit deep and there's no right or wrong answer, but if you could have a beer with anyone dead or alive, who would it be and why? Great question, man. Um, you know, we, we talked about it right before we started the show and I was thinking about it hard and I'm like, who, who, who? And the one person that keeps coming to my mind is David Goggins. You know, uh, David Goggins, you guys, you know, if you don't know who he is, you know, Navy SEAL, famous Navy SEAL. He's a motivational speaker now and just a total badass. Um, and the reason why is because, you know, he overcame a lot of things that are happening today in society, like you know, like being bullied and, you know, like the, like the race situations that we have, you know, with discrimination and whatnot. And he overcame a lot of those things um, and and he's being highly successful, you know. And so I've read some of his books and heard some of his audios and his mindset. It's 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 amazing, man. His mindset is just at another level. You know, there is there is no punk voice in his mind. And a lot of times what stops us from being great it's the conversation that you're having with yourself, you know, that punk voice, you know, I use another word, but I won't use it, you know, on this one, it starts with a B, you know, is that B voice in your head telling you that you're not good enough, things like that. Um, I feel like this guy has completely taken control of that. And I would like to like ask him on step-by-step step how, because it's, it's easy to read it. It's easy to like, you know, maybe hear it in, a, in an audio, but it's very different when you have the person in front of you and you say, okay, man, like, like no BS, tell me straight up, like, what did it take? Because I want to be, you know, at that, at that point also. 
So he will be like probably the one number one guy right now in my mind that I will have a beer with. And if I could have a second beer, um, Joe Dispenza, you know, uh, Joe Dispenza, it's a neuro, neuro, neuroscientist, neuropsychologist. Uh, the guy got hit by a truck and he was told that he would never walk again. And so through the power of his mind and working on him on his mind, he was able to realign his spine and he actually walked again. And so to this day, they still don't know how it happened. You know, like a bunch of doctors have like made complete studies about his case. And so the guy is huge on the mind and how the mind works. So that would probably be the two people that I, you know, have a beer with, but definitely David Goggins would be my number one pick right now. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I, I support both of those decisions. I, I like David Goggins for sure. Mm -hmm. That's, that's yep. fantastic. So, uh, Emil, we're coming to a close. This is the most important question you're going to be asked on my podcast ever. And whether or not someone wants to get into the financial services industry, touch base with you on Leaders Make Leaders, uh, or possibly uh, use some of your services. Where can people find you? Yeah, you can go. You know, I got a one-stop shop for all of you guys, and that's through my website. That is leadersmakeleaders.org, O-R-G. Um, you know, that com was already taken and they want to sell it to me for 2 million and I don't want to pay 2 million for a domain. So I went with ORG. Um, so yeah, leaders make leaders.org. There's a little bio, you know, about me. You can find other interviews that I've done where I speak more in depth of the services that I do, you know, provide. Um, and you can have, you can contact me directly. You know, if, if it, the time is available, my Calendly, then I'm available for you. That's awesome, man. I really appreciate you coming on here and taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, sit down and talk with me. Yeah, I appreciate you, man, having us. You know, I'm really happy with this. Um, I love to see veterans thriving, and I think that we need more people like you that have been through the same walk path that we've been on, you know, that understand the lingo that has been in the military. You understand the, the goods and the bads to continue to connect our community because uh, as veterans um, and business owners, you know, but particularly as a veteran community, we can do a lot of damage out there in a good way. Um, when it comes to the economy of the United States. So I'm glad that you're putting this together, man. And, you know, looking forward to supporting you all the way through. Yeah, definitely. So ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first. Please leave a five-star review. That lets uh, all the platforms know that this is a podcast you like listening to. And if you didn't get any value from any episode up to this point, I think we got probably the equivalent of millions of dollars worth of insight and leadership advice from you meal here. Uh, so go ahead and leave us a five-star review. Don't be selfish. Tell your friends, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, tell your friends to subscribe as well. Yamil, I just want to thank you again. I really appreciate you coming on and taking time to talk with me. Yeah, absolutely, man. Anytime. All right, everyone, you have a great day, and we will see you on the next episode of Business and Brews.